For the week of April 5th, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today, we are reviewing the seventh episode of the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars. But before we do, John has an update on Obi-Wan. Yeah, so I was just skimming through StarWarsNewsNet.com, a great source for responsible uh, Star Wars news. And I noticed that Variety is reporting that Lucasfilm has hired Joby Harold as the new writer of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So just to catch people up, we talked about this briefly on a, a previous cast, but if you're not aware, Obi-Wan was one of the original development scripts that uh, Disney was working on when they took over Lucasfilm. And that had been in the works as a feature film for a while. Then when Disney started realizing that, oh, you know what, we got to get in the streaming game, uh, somewhere along the line, they decided to parlay it into, I believe, a six episode limited run series for Disney+. Plus. They got Ewan McGregor on board. They made a formal announcement. Kathleen Kennedy came out um, close to a year ago now and said, yeah, the scripts are solid and we're ready to go and we're ramping up in the spring. And uh, so we were expecting that this was well underway. But then, what, a month ago, maybe two now, we heard that they were pumping the brakes. Something wasn't right with the script. So they were going to part ways with the writer that they had on board and they were going to retool and make sure that it was ready to go. Turns out coronavirus would have stopped them dead in their tracks eventually anyways. So it looks like Obi-Wan was going to be delayed one way or another, but it would appear that the reason why it got delayed was because they really want to make sure that this tentpole, this beloved character and, you know, this top flight actor who really is one of the crown jewels uh, of Star Wars, uh, that they got it right, you know, with, with so much uh, fan craziness and split opinions on pretty much everything that Lucasfilm does, aside from maybe The Mandalorian, which I think everyone loves. I think they realized that they, they need some solid slam dunks over the next few years, and they really didn't want to rush something out and uh, maybe miss the mark or split the fans again. So that brings us up to where we are now. Fortunately, in the midst of all this Corona silliness, it's bought them some time, but they've managed to tack down a writer and hopefully, you know, now he's got the breathing room to really just double down and make that script. Great. And they're planning to ramp up formal production in January, 2021. So, the only other insights I can offer based on this uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com article is that this guy, uh, Joby Harold, he doesn't have a whole lot of writing credits under his belt, which is the thing that has people scratching their head because you think you'd bring in a ringer, you'd bring in someone that really knows the genre or someone that's proven, maybe someone that's written some Star Wars novels of acclaim. Like you'd think that there'd be someone that would be the obvious go-to person to take the ball and run with it, but they're going with a relative unknown, someone who really hasn't worked in TV at all. But you know what? Sometimes talent just can't be denied. And if they see something in this guy, and I don't know anything about him, so I can't really speak to it. But if there's something that really piqued their interest and they thought, you know what, this is the right guy for the job, then I'll say, okay, you know what? Let's see what he can do. Uh, if if this is who they're putting their faith in, uh, I don't care how many credits he has. Uh, I just want him to turn out something really spectacular because I, I think the fandom in general just really wants something great to come out of this Obi-Wan uh, series. And they've got the best directors lined up. Deborah Chow, I believe is still on board to do most of the directing for the series. So they've got all the right pieces. They just need to have that solid foundation. And uh, I really hope he knocks it out of the park. So uh, we're rooting for you, Joby Harold. 
<laughs> that's that's all I got on that. You got anything you want to add? Uh, I mean, whenever you look at his resume, there might be some disappointment there, because like you said, why not bring in someone who is a, uh, you know, well known for his craft, like, you know, those type of things. But uh, how I look at it is it's just like, you know what, at this point, if they saw something special, maybe it's what he's working on with Zack Snyder and Army of the Dead. Maybe they saw the script to that. Maybe they've seen uh, something to do with that and are really impressed by it. And of course, if you listen to Zack Snyder, he's, of course, uh, all the hype is surrounding that for him so you uh you never know and this very well could be something that they did definitely look at and they said Mm -hmm. you know what we want to get it right and they found the person to make it right i mean there's there's no other reason to delay production of obi-wan because here's the thing even if it sucked people would still watch (laughs) it sure and so they're not doing it to per se save money or to get people to subscribe to disney plus because people are already doing that they're doing this particularly because they want to get it right so i applaud them for that and i like you said i am i'm rooting for joby harold and actually to your point i believe the article said that he has also been entrusted with rebooting the transformers franchise for paramount which you know, I'm sure everyone has seen the Transformers movies there. They're big and they're loud and they're fast paced, but they're not terribly smart. And they've kind of become uh, sort of a, a, an easy thing to mock as kind of everything that's wrong with cinema. So I think a lot of studios are starting to take notice, right? Like Star Wars started to go down that path where let's just ramp everything up to 11 and make it more fast paced and more frenetic. We saw kind of the fruits of that a little bit in rise of Skywalker. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe the studios are saying, look, our, our audience isn't maybe as simple as we thought that just whiz bang silliness is going to always bring them out to the theater. Maybe people want a little more depth. Maybe people want, you know, something a little smarter or just a, you know, a little bit more well-realized than just churning out these big budget, loud, brash action flicks. So if maybe that's the tone that he's struck and he's starting to get a reputation as someone that has the, the next voice for, you know, the next era of, uh, action adventure fantasy type movies. If, if he's someone that I, that people are latching onto and saying he's the guy that can really nail these and, and get them right so that we can actually, you know, win our fans back who are kind of disillusioned with how big and loud everything in Hollywood seems to have gotten lately. And they've now got this year to do it. Um, why not double down on the guy? So I really, I really hope he's the guy. I, I hope he's the, the, the great hope of, uh, the big Hollywood franchises. So we'll, we'll see what comes of it in probably late 2021. Yeah, well, why don't we go ahead and get into <laughs> yes. this episode of The Clone Wars? Sure, that's a lot on Joby Harold. I'm ready to talk Clone Wars. So, episode seven, Dangerous Debt. And this week, Ahsoka and the Martez sisters attempt to escape the Pikes. Mm-hmm. So, this week's Jedi fortune cookie, who you were, does not have to define who you are. Oh, such pearls of wisdom we get from Clone Wars. Ah, and in this episode, of course, it gets going with right where we got left off. The three ladies, they're in prison. They're uh, Ahsoka and Rafa. They're going at each other's throat. Like, this is just a (laughs) typical kind of wasting time in a prison cell. Right. And it it seems like Rafa would be more than happy to figure out how to uh, get out of Dodge with her sister and leave Ahsoka behind. Like, there is definitely no, um, uh, what is it, no loyalty among thieves here. Like... Even though Rafa has gotten them into this, she's unwilling to accept any responsibility. She still sees Ahsoka as some kind of a threat to sort of the the hold that she has over her sister. And uh, yeah, it's just, 
just a nasty scene. I don't think any of our three main characters here are very happy with where they're at in their lives right now. It's a pretty desperate situation and everyone is, yeah, just at their lowest. And in this moment, though, so as they're bickering and they're going back and forth as to whose fault it really is, mm-hmm. uh, the Martez sisters actually open up as to why they don't view the Jedi in the kindest light. So what did you kind of think about this story, uh, a, a recounting, if you will, of their of their tragedy? I think it was a nice way to reveal it. We've known from the beginning that there was something odd about, you know, these sisters. They don't have family. They don't have connection. They're a little you know, hardened by some sort of tragedy. And now we find out, you know, why they have such animosity towards the Jedi. It's because, uh, in this situation that actually played out, you know, on the Clone Wars, I don't think we actually saw this exact situation that they're describing, but the event surrounding it was zero, the hut being sprung that we did see. And so we know that it took place on Coruscant and they went down into the depths there. And that's kind of where we left off. And now we know the rest of the story. Uh, the Jedi pursued, they, they tried to, uh, take down the, the shuttle. And in the process, there was some collateral damage. And that unfortunately is this girl's, um, their, their parents, uh, were the ones that unfortunately bore the brunt of that situation. So it now makes a lot more sense that, uh, they, they feel a little cold, especially when you hear the sort of curt, response that they got when the Jedi came to assess the situation. Like they got a very quick, I'm sorry, but uh, you know what? The, the force will take care of it. And you know, that's, that would leave a bad taste in my mouth if someone took out my parents and then just said, yeah, leave it up to the universe. It'll, it'll all sort itself out. No, no, keep your chin up. So yeah, it, it's all come full circle. And now, now we have the whole picture of why these girls are, are so world weary. Yeah, and I mean, this Jedi that that is described, it, it sounds like it's Luminara, I'm assuming. I might be going be, way yeah. overboard. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely assuming this. And also, like you said, this is kind of something to where uh, if this tragedy happens and the person, you know, whether responsible directly or indirectly, it comes to you and says, hey, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with you. That's kind of the equivalent <laughs> of this is like you can yeah. have you can have all my all my thoughts. You'll you'll be OK. All that. Like, that's not necessarily something you want to hear. But at the same time, like, you, you look at this and, and you know, there there's kind of both sides of this argument. Like, oh, well, yeah, this bad thing happened and it sucks. And there's nothing else we can do about it. And, yeah. So, I mean, the Jedi didn't necessarily <laughs> do something wrong here, which is what I was thinking was going to happen. They They just didn't really handle the whole compassion side of it well. It's interesting, you know, the Jedi are supposed to be uh, devoid of attachment and they're supposed to be just at peace with the universe and just in tune with whatever will be, will be, right? Because it's as ever the, the force will will. So I understand where the Jedi were coming from. She may have thought that that was the most wise thing that she could offer these girls in their time of suffering. But yeah, it was the last thing that they needed to hear. So it, it sort of shows a little bit where some of the blind spots are in the Jedi philosophy and part of why things kind of went as wrong as they did in the galaxy. You know, these Jedi are well-intentioned and they wanted to cling so tightly to the light side of the force that they gave up some of their humanity in the process and a little bit of their insight. And because of that, they were able to be manipulated and eventually toppled. So it is funny that you get these little hints of, where the the chinks are in the Jedi's armor that that they're just not these well-rounded superheroes that always know the right thing in the right situation. Sometimes, yeah, they're they're just making it up and and trying to muddle through like everyone else. And I, I think that's an interesting perspective that they offered. 
Yeah, and we definitely get a lot of this theme throughout this uh, these eras of Star Wars, where people have real criticisms with the Jedi, mm-hmm. where they feel like that they're uh, the their self appointed uh, police force that are coming in and they're actually causing they're leaving more damage than right. justice for a lot of these individuals that are kind of left behind in these villages that are that get destroyed. I mean, we we kind of see that, right? Like we see that this season where Anakin and and the Bad Batch, like, yeah, of course they got what they came to do, but a village kind of suffered for. Sure, and, yeah. uh, and a bunch of villagers suffered and of course that group they kind of did the right thing where they partnered with individuals they apologized they didn't mean to bring all this stuff yada yada but like at the same time maybe not every single Jedi that was responsible for this type of damage did that and maybe the only thing they offered them to them because they thought it was the wisest thing in the world was uh, the force is going to be with you it's going to protect you so you'll be fine yeah yeah so a, in, an interesting perspective there and, and you're absolutely right like from the ground looking up you don't know why these two different uh, clusters of starships are blowing each other up in the heavens above you. All you know is that the Jedi are bringing death to your, your village or to your world or whatever it is. So uh, yeah, this is just heaping more coals on the Jedi and uh, you see where the resentment's coming from. And it's not entirely unfounded because there's a lot of recklessness that happens in war and the Jedi got involved. They, they left behind that sort of neutral position that they were supposed to have. And uh, yeah, they, they took a side. And so of course you're going to make a lot of enemies in the process. So, so surprisingly a whole lot you can ponder on from this simple little monologue uh, that we get from the girls here. But yeah, this, I think this made the episode, you know, there's a whole lot of chase and fun and action, everything uh, for the remainder of the episode, but this is really the only character development we get. And so I think this is why it was kind of worth drilling in on that. So I I did like that. We finally see a little bit of humanity and, and understand these girls at a more fundamental level. And then, of course, you have Ahsoka, who understands the shortcoming of the Jedi probably more mm. than anyone to this point, sure. where she's acknowledging that they're not perfect, and she's kind of separating herself from them, both physically and then, of course, through the Force, she's not always using it. But then we see another character moment for her, where she actually begins to use the Force in this episode to break right. out of prison. Yeah, so as they're sitting there in the prison cell, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is silly. Like, she could get out anytime she wants. So she's really desperately trying to hold on to that notion that she can get by without any of the, uh, you know, the the power imbued to her through her Jedi training. But no, uh, at every turn, when it comes right down to it, she's never going to let someone fall off a cliff over it. Uh, so yeah, when, when everyone's back is turned, she's constantly doing little uh, Jedi maneuvers to help them uh, escape. And there, there's some fun moments here. You know, we, we get the escape and then being brought back in and then sort of the escape again, and then kind of being behind obstacles out in the, uh, whatever the pavilion area and Ahsoka is lifting people with the force. So the girls can get a shot on them. Like there's, there's a lot of carnage here. And it is funny that Ahsoka was still able to kind of keep her Jedi-ness on the down low throughout it all for the amount of Jedi antics that she actually pulls through all this. So I was having a lot of fun with that. You, you see her trying to be constrained, but nope, <laughs> nope. Got to use it again. Nope. Got to use it again. That's, that's fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and then, of course, like you said, she's kind of doing it behind the scenes, like she's waiting for one of the sisters to be fully knocked out before she actually breaks them out of the cell, and then she waits for the other one to turn their back before she helps them get over Mm -hmm. across the bridge, and I really like this scene where she's jumping across the bridge, and they're, you know, running from the pikes, (laughs) and they're, you know, jumping around, and Ahsoka jumps, and she, of course uses the force and force jumps up and over the Trey sisters. And I love that Rafa's her concern is, Oh, she didn't make it. Oh, that's terrible. And <laughs> looking well, down. Yeah. That's, that's the funny thing. Cause you begin to sympathize now that you understand Rafa's 
uh, backstory and that helps you to sympathize with her, but she's still so happy to see Ahsoka die, right? Like she's keeping up appearances like, Oh, that's, that's too bad. Maybe, maybe we should just get out of here and just never think of Ahsoka again. Like she's not, uh, she's, she's still got a long way to go before she's kind of a noble person. Yeah. As, as much as Ahsoka is helping them at every step. Yeah. There's, there's just no love. There's no reciprocal love there. And, uh, it is, it is interesting. Like that's kind of the comic relief of the episode is how quickly, uh, Rafa is willing to try and uh, abandon Ahsoka at, at every turn. But yeah, uh, the, when the stakes are high, it kind of hits you funny that she's just so happy to see someone potentially meet their demise who she got into such a bad situation. So. Yeah, and speaking of demise here, we saw, or we didn't see it, because of course this cartoon cuts before you actually see the body fall, but a very brutal <laughs> death of a yes. pike with an elevator. Yeah, so I, are we supposed to look at these guys as sort of like mindless monsters or stormtroopers or whatever? Because they they spend so much time talking in this episode that it's hard to not think of them as sentient beings that just, you know, they go to their home to their family at the end of the day like anyone else. But yeah, this guy, they uh they did him in real good. And it's such a long scene. Like as the elevator's going up, you know that eventually it's he's gonna hit an obstacle and they're just holding him in place. And uh yeah, they they really hang on that for a good moment. It has some impact. And as I was watching that, I was thinking, oh, you know what? That's that's kind of brutal uh, for for the animated fair. Maybe we're just getting a little soft because we watch a lot of resistance over the last couple of years. But um, yeah, anytime they have a really poignant death, it does stick out right now for some reason. Yeah, I mean, that was a rough one. I was looking, I was watching it throughout this whole time. I was waiting to see the half the torso come down. That's what I thought was going to happen next. Well, yeah, obviously that should have happened next, but that, uh, of course, they can't do that on this show. But uh, yeah, I was, I was at least waiting for them to kind of let go and him get out of the way like last second, but no, he got crushed. Crunch. (laughs) Yeah. So this, uh, this episode definitely had its moments. And and one of the moments that I want to talk about that get back into this kind of serious and possibly foreshadowing is Ahsoka. So whenever Ahsoka's talking to uh, Rafa and Trace again, she has this comment of you help people in need yes. no matter what. And so this is obvious foreshadowing, right? Well, probably. We know that uh, Ahsoka gets somehow caught up in the the Mandalorian uh, crusade, right there. We're assuming we're going to see the siege of Mandalore as kind of the culmination of the season and the Mandalorians make an appearance. So we know that their paths are going to cross very soon. And obviously at the end of the day, every time Ahsoka tries to turn and walk away from a situation, she gets pulled back in by her own good intentions. So there's no reason to not assume that she's going to come to the Mandalorian's aid. And, uh, yeah, so hopefully that's, what's going to open the door to some really, you know, big fireworks in the coming few episodes. And last episode, I speculated a lot about maybe the Mandalorians are uh, who they run into while they're in prison and they get uh, assistance to escape via the Mandalores. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen here, but Yet. maybe this next episode, I'm thinking it might happen because the Mandalorians seem like that Ahsoka's on their radar here. Yeah, well, they know she's a Jedi. They know that they probably need as much support as they can get. And they're just, you know, shrewd warriors. Like they're, they're not, um, naive to the need of having capable chess pieces. So I, I could see them seeing her as a valuable asset. Uh, and they say as much, that's basically the conversation. Like, let's just watch this and see how it plays out. Cause, uh, that, that one, that Ahsoka, she's, you know, she's got some, some skills I've, I've, uh, run into her before. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. We, we know even from the trailer that, you know, obviously they're, they're in league with each other in the next few episodes. It'll be neat to see how they get there because we do leave our three heroines back in prison. You know, we come full circle by the end of this episode. So could it be the Mandalorians that spring them at this point? 
I could see that happening. Would they then be in the Mandalorian's debt or more sympathetic to going along with them on their cause? Uh, maybe just even try and get off the planet. Yeah, we'll come back to Mandalore and <laughs> we'll hop another ship from there. Who knows where we're going? But yeah, we obviously haven't seen the last of the Mandalorians. And how poetic would it be if this story arc ends with the, the two parties acknowledging you have the force wielder Ahsoka acknowledging that she needs help from the Mandalorians to get out of prison and the Mandalorians uh, acknowledge that they need assistance from Ahsoka, sure. the former Jedi. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the, the possibilities are, are endless here with stuff like that. And so I'm excited to see where this goes. I mean, we got mm-hmm. them back in prison. So I really hope, even though I enjoyed this episode, I really hope that the next episode isn't another kind of prison break. Let's run around yeah. and get captured again. Yeah. So Clone Wars often plays out its stories in arcs like this that are multi-episode, usually three or four. So we've seen three episodes uh, with the girls And now they're starting to bring in a new set of characters that we know lead into the next storyline. So I feel like the next episode has to be the transition. It's got to be where we're done setting the table. We're now going to bring in the, all the characters and all the situations that are going to play out over the, the last big arc of the series, how they get there is anyone's guess, but I am definitely excited. They've, they've set the table. They've given us seven episodes to just come back and get uh, immersed in this world again. And now I'm really ready for the fireworks. Yeah. Well, let's revisit this fortune cookie real quick. So it was who you were does not define who you are. And that Mm -hmm. is a very interesting one because of Clone Wars. They do this where it's just like a real good foreshadowing about what we're about to receive here. And so, I mean, I'm taking this as Ahsoka from Ahsoka's part, but also it could have, you know, double or triple uh, meaning here with the, with the sisters as well. But yeah, Ahsoka is starting to embrace who she is. So she's not a Jedi and we get that because in rebels, she says, I'm no Jedi. Right. And so we get, she's not going back down that path, but she's definitely starting to embrace the person who she is when we see her in rebels. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm sure Filoni wanted to do with this last season of Clone Wars was to give it a more sort of subtle transition into what we see in Rebels, right? We, we want to understand how the characters got from point A to point B. That's why Sabine Wren's mom is one of the Mandalorians that Ahsoka is going to be in league with, who was, you know, looking down on her as they're trying to escape in this episode. We're, we're starting to bring things full circle and, and trying to dovetail. So it does make sense that what Ahsoka is or what she's turning into is going to seem very much in line with where we pick up the story down the road. And that's the way it should be. We want, you know, one story to transition to another because it's nice to then be able to revisit these years down the road and kind of have that seamless storyline that effectively runs 20 years here, right into the original movies. Uh, So yes, I I think you're onto something. I I don't think that they're being very subtle about it. This is Ahsoka's sort of journey of self-discovery and really figuring out what kind of person she wants to be when she's not beholden to any creed just who is she on the inside what's her character going to tell her to be rather than you know her instructors her her jedi masters so yeah this is all part of the larger theme here and i think you're right that it it does equally apply to the girls too because just because they came from nothing and they had tragedy in their past that doesn't mean they have to be callous and they have to you know be harsh towards ahsoka they can learn compassion and and regain their humanity and start working as a team like all that fortune cookie says is it's never too late for someone to build some character and make some good decisions. <laughs> and, and hopefully that's what we're going to start to see as these girls continue to have adventures together in the next episode. 
Well, I am looking forward to the next episodes here of Clone Wars. Here we are. We're, you know, we're, we're so close to the end of the Clone Wars, and this is really kind of the true end, the final season. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I look forward to it. Um, and what can our fans look forward from you, John? Is there anything new that you're doing? Oh, so very little. Uh, we all know what's going on in the world and how that's kind of tamped down a lot of, uh, you know, new TV, new movies. Everything's kind of on pause for the time being. SNL, the uh, other show that I, I cover religiously on my other podcast, the SNL After Party, they're on hiatus, probably done for the rest of the season at this point. So uh, nothing terribly exciting, but we are going to, you know, be filling in the gaps here and putting out content. We're going to be covering SNL related movies and other kind of tangential SNL fair to, to get us by until season 46 ramps up. So I always encourage people to come over and check that out. And since everyone has all the time in the world, maybe catch up on some uh, past SNL that maybe you missed and then check out the podcast to get our take. So yeah, we've got our whole back catalog there by all means, take a look SNLpodcast.com. And during this Corona lockdown, you can keep up with this show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at StarWarsTVTalk.com. You can find the rest of our episodes online at StarWarsTVTalk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review. You can find more TV Talk podcasts at TVTalk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always.